0: Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Lonely Mountain Mystics podcast. This episode is a conversation between Devin and Britt Barron, and in addition to being a great listen, it's also a great introduction to Britt's book, Worth It, a book which we are excited to say that our current patrons will receive a copy of. So right off the bat, a big thank you to everyone who supports the show and to Britt for making the time to speak with Devin. If you would like to become a patron, you can check us out at Patreon or go to LonelyMountainMystics.com and click Become a Patron. Another great way to support the show is to leave a five-star review, which really helps others discover the podcast. If you want to learn more about Britt's work, you can check her out at BrittBaron.com, and that's Britt with one T and Baron with two R's. She's got a ton of information there, as well as links to purchase her book and to participate in her other offerings. All right. I've talked long enough. Now to the interview. Thanks, everyone.
1: All right. So welcome to the podcast, everyone. This is Devin with the Lonely Mountain Mystics. I am interviewing, I'm honored to get to interview the wonderful and amazing Britt Barron, uh, who has a fantastic book out. And uh, we're going to be talking about that and some other stuff. And uh, yeah, Britt, would you like to say hello?
2: Um, hello out there, um, podcast world. I'm super excited <laughs> to be chatting with you today.
1: Yeah, so I, I know that everything says to call you beans, but I feel yes. like I don't know you well enough.
2: I know, but the thing is, is beans actually feels less formal than like Brit. Brit feels like a nickname that I'm like trying to get used to as I enter the like official adult world. So beans really feels like more of <laughs> my my real name
1: that's awesome um yeah because so when I first emailed you um, I handed you know the email to my wife and I was like hey uh, you you know more about her than I do is this good um, just like critique it for spelling and she was like oh the whole thing is bad and I was like perfect. <laughs> <laughs> She's like you need to change it from Brit to beans and be yeah. more casual and I'm like I don't, I don't feel comfortable at all with
2: this. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wow, this is really pushing the limits, but all right.
1: Yeah. So um, I read your book and I want to jump into it in a little bit, um, but I want to start off with a little bit about you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Well... Um I don't know why that question sometimes always stumps me. I'm like, me?
1: Isn't it the worst? Okay. Yeah, I'm like, where to Tell me start? about someone you care about. Got yeah, it. I'm Tell like, me about nin- yourself.
2: Mm. <laughs> yeah. 1986.
1: <laughs> um. <laughs> Are you an 86 baby? I'm
2: an 86 baby, yeah. What? Me too. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Look at us living in dream. Probably has us. something to do with our faith journeys yeah um because like <laughs> growing up in the 90s you know what i mean was like yeah I do you were all in oh, um so that i mean that's a little bit about me to be honest. i grew up deep in the evangelical scene um in the what, 90s what? too so it was like at its peak you know what i mean like i was yes, just I telling do. someone the other day there was like a world like you could live in a world inside of a world like you didn't have to leave evangelical bubble yeah. like for anything because we had Christian bookstores, Christian movie yep. theaters, Christian concerts, Christian clothing lines, Christian bowling alleys. Like we were going off. Um, oh yeah. So that that was my scene. Yeah. Um. And and I don't want to just you know. Oh sorry. How do you feel about should I keep it clean language wise on? You do for the you. podcast. Okay, okay. <laughs>
1: you can, we it's, you know, listen, um, Ben is the guy who edits this. Um, and so we can make it as difficult on him as you want. <laughs> okay. Ben, no, just no, you, you're you know, fine. feel free. You're fine. Um,
2: so I, I mean, I try not to just shit on the church, um, for just for the sake of doing it because at the same time, right there, there was a lot of comfort and, and security in, in that. Um, but that's that's how I grew up, and my dad was a pastor. Uh, my dad was actually—you'll you'll probably know this. My dad was the vice president of Promise Keepers. Um, you may have heard of it. Yeah, isn't that wild?
1: Yeah, a small little organization. <laughs>
2: yeah, a little <laughs>
1: <laughs> tiny I little know. place.
2: Sweet, sweet man. So, um, and then he, you know, started his own church. So we were just deep in it. Then I went to a Christian college. Um, then I worked at a different Christian college. Then I became a pastor at a mega church. Um, and so peaked at 26 because in the evangelical, <laughs> I was like, where do I literally go from here? Yeah. Um, and apparently the answer was out of the closet. So mm. um, I, I took that job. This is what's wild. I was only at the, the, the pastor at the mega church. I was one month in before I met this girl who is now my wife. And that was the beginning of the end of all my certitude of life.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you had everything figured out until then.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Until then I was like, ask me anything. I got this. And then I was like, I don't know what's real.
1: In the evangelical church, you know, like being a pastor was the pinnacle and being a pastor of a mega church. I mean, geez, wow. You, you like you won the lottery. Like, yeah. Like
2: I was in it. I was like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Like I, is this a reward for all my good behavior? Like it was no wonder. Right. Ooh. I was like crushing it.
1: Wow. Oh man. That's, that's layers right there in that comment.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, you know, what's, you know, what's funny actually is I always say, um, in the evangelical church was such an easy place to be closeted because (laughs) i and and not even like i mean i was honestly so disconnected from my own sexuality that it's not like i i i actively knew that i was gay but i knew that it was never hard for me to not have sex with my boyfriends like i knew that it was like and that felt like i i'm not even joking i one of my best friends to this day you know we've been friends since forever and i remember having conversations with her like in college where she was just like you know how how are you you know not doing it it's so hard i just remember thinking like girl you just gotta pray like you know what oh i mean oh like, my goodness actually,
1: wow like, thinking, like, And you I had to get like, out of jail free card on that one
2: <laughs> exactly like <laughs> looking back i feel so, like oh my god um oh, and man. so this like you know in in evangelicalism they hold not having sex till marriage like up as the highest honor so then i was like is like is that why i like i remember thinking like is that why everything is going so well for me like
1: wow
2: (laughs) because i'm not doing that
1: wow Uh, yeah so i in so i too grew up in the evangelical church in the south Oh yeah! This, okay, and, you got extra points. Yeah. Oh, mm. I <laughs> I could tell you some stories, but <laughs> I got some stories. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, so it's it, man. Like the idea that if you do everything perfectly, ultimately you'll become a church pastor and you'll do well. I mean, that <laughs> yeah. was something that to this day, like. Like I still struggle with a bit of my identity because growing up in the church, everyone was like, there's an anointing, you're going to be a pastor, you're going to do this. And no churches have ever wanted me to be there. And I'm like, what am I not? How am I not good enough? Like, I pray, I fast, I, I tithe. Like, what what am I not doing that's enough? And uh, it, to me, now that I look back on it, I'm almost like, oh, God, was that you kind of saving me from like having to lose my job and honestly probably. Yeah. It's
2: weird. Looking back, I'm like, what a what a blessing, right? Like it was to be gay, or else I would have never been able to expand so much that needed to be expanded.
1: I love that. That's so good. Fun little fact, since we're talking about closetedness and the church, Mm -hmm. um, this podcast started with us sitting in a church closet.
0: (laughs) We were literally
1: in the closet of a church discussing our struggles with our faith.
2: Wow, it's like Inception.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The, if you go back, if you ever listen to the uh, first episode or maybe the second one, uh, if you ever hear just a loud noise in the middle of it, it was me knocking over a bunch of Christmas decorations onto myself because we <laughs> were like so cramped in this closet, I couldn't even like move to itch my nose.
2: And what a metaphor.
1: Right? <laughs> it was so poignant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I, I, so I, I love the book and the book talks a lot about like you coming in touch with your sexuality and, um, like being in the church and working at the church and the challenges of what that was like. Um, tell me, tell me however much you want to tell me about that, because I'm so fascinated with, with one, the idea of like deconstructing and being a, you know, being in somebody who's LGBTQ and in the church uh, and two, also, like, what was it like to discover that part of yourself, like, while working for the church?
2: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't fun per se. Um, <laughs> it was, and, you know, it's, it's, I, I always like to say the further I, it, I have to remember how hard it is, how hard it was. So that I can accurately talk about it because also, I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram, but um, I'm yes. an Enneagram seven. So like I nice. can reframe the crap out of something. Um, so uh, because it has brought so much goodness and so much freedom and so much healing to my life, um, it's hard for me to not want to go back and reframe, but it, it truly was really, really hard. I remember my, my wife and I, So she also didn't, like, fully consciously at the front of her brain know that she was gay either. Um, Wow. And so we really, you know, (laughs) we became very quick best friends. And we had known each other, I think, for maybe, like, three weeks. We were hanging out for, like, three weeks, like a month. Like, hanging out nonstop, like, obsessed. And we're hanging out in her apartment. She says, I know this is weird because we, like, kind of just met. But I just I feel like you're going to be in my wedding. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and we laugh about Little that all did the time she know. We're like, yeah so we're like we're having these like feelings and we're trying to place them you know it's, it's so funny looking back at our conversations of like trying to figure out you know how, why we felt so intensely about each other and wow and I say all the time it's like um, truly falling in love with, with her it felt like breathing for the first time like it was it was something I had always wondered if, if that was a real thing like feeling like that for some someone like and and so imagine feeling like you're breathing for the first time but every every deep breath in right like something else in you crumbles so it, it was this very both and experience of oh my god I'm in love truly for the first time and crazy in love and like the this the building of which like my life was held in is simultaneously falling to the ground. So, um, you know, I went through a lot of initially, you know, I'm almost ashamed to say this, but also not because you, I mean, if you grew up in that scene, you get it. But I remember talking to my therapist, I got into therapy very quickly, which was the game changer. Um, what
1: what sorry we're yeah. big fans of therapy on this so oh my god any shout outs to therapy we are all about
2: big like all the shout outs all the shout yes. outs all my money um yeah. <laughs> so and we we went to therapy so like very early on we were like we need so we we started going to therapy together and separate um and so i remember telling my therapist like initially i kind of felt like is this a test like i've been handed this great honor of being this pastor at this mega church i've been given this responsibility and is it a coincidence that one month into my job like this this person comes in my life like is you know initially i literally was like is this a test like am i supposed to like is this how i level up you know like um and luckily i had a therapist to be like if it is a test is that a god that you would want to (laughs) You That's know, awesome. follow um yeah she was she was amazing and so it, it was it was just hard you know like you uh i i felt so naive up until that point of thinking that life is full of either good experiences or bad um and then i realized it's both like at the yeah. same time i could have the most wonderful experience of my life while being absolutely gutted Um, and, and that's what the next (laughs) four years felt like. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a journey.
1: There's so a couple of things. One, I mean, I think it's really beautiful that you and your wife were going through this discovery journey together. That's awesome. Tell me a little bit about like what that was like for y'all.
2: Yeah, it's funny. You know, it's, I, There were parts of it where it kind of felt like that scene in the movie where, like, the couple kisses for the first time and then this montage plays back of, like, all the moments, like... You know, leading mm, up to it or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it was like all the reasons why we should have known we were gay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like me walking into field hockey camp and her like playing <laughs> like sixteen years of softball, and we're like wearing Birkenstocks, but they're not back in style yet. Um,
0: oh, and so man. it was,
2: it was this weird. So she had the same thing. I mean, it's it's hilarious, but she also was like. Um man, it's really she she also felt that that extra ho- bit of holiness for having abstained from sex with her boyfriends, of which she had like two for like two yeah. months each.
1: You know, like you guys definitely cheated. Yeah, oh for sure.
2: Like, I'm like, oh, super not fair. Yeah. <laughs> then I actually am dating someone I'm attracted to. And I'm like, oh, I get it.
1: <laughs> oh i get it now <laughs> this oh, okay. really is yeah. difficult <laughs> oh
2: wow this is a thing you want to do oh yeah, okay man,
1: that's so funny
2: apologies to all my friends who i told just to go pray
1: <laughs> yeah
2: um so yes yeah, so we walked that together which and she is my wife is so cool and she's also she was in the church but not in the way i was like her you know her fan her parents didn't work there she it felt like the only option for me and for her it felt like something she kind of fell into in high school um and so she was in it but i think because it was in a different way and she wasn't sort of being looked at publicly um and just because she's probably better than me she was able to like identify with her sexuality a lot faster um, yeah and so that was sort of a, a, a give and take between us.
1: So, so not to take it from a really, you know, from some good moments to a, a darker one, but I'm definitely going to do it um, <laughs> to uh, so you had talked about like you were fortunate when you went to your counselor uh, and your counselor was kind of like just leaning into accepting yourself. Did you ever have moments or times where you were, you know, doing the struggle to, you know, like maybe I should pray away the gay or maybe I need to go to God more about this.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, we would even together, we would go back and forth like wow. maybe like, no, this is something we need to just like put to the side or, you know, I remember we would be sobbing. I literally remember this one conversation where we were both sobbing and we were like, quote unquote walking away from our relationship and and we both sort of said like oh i hope you find i hope you can find like a boy who will love you this much like we were so confused um and so i i vacillated hard between like i'm okay i'm no of course this is not okay like and 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 that's sort of one of I think the the biggest dangers about the evangelical church and the way that it's set up is it almost doesn't matter what you believe about yourself or what you believe about God or you think God believes about you like it that only becomes true when someone in authority can cooperate the story for you and so like so many people I had just become so used to like not trusting the voice in my head unless it was Echoed by the voices of authority around me. So, hey, I think this thing is true. Let me ask another pastor. Oh, they also think it's true? It must be true. Yeah. Um, and now, then all of a sudden, being in a place where it's like, okay, shoot, like, am I going to trust my, my gut? Am I going to trust, like, something that feels right? Like, am I going to trust that even if no one else is cooperating that story? except for like this therapist, you know? Um, and so that, at times it felt like, because the, I had never experienced anything more pure than loving Sammy. Like, it just yeah. felt good and right and true. And so at times I would hang on to that and be like, that's enough. Like, there's no way this could be wrong. And then I would go back to like, oh shit, this is totally wrong. It's Man. that's why it feels good. <laughs> you know, like, this
1: whole, like <laughs> oh, it must be my body <laughs> tricking me. Yes. Crafty I know. Like, devil.
2: What kind of apple am I eating? Jeez. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm getting, I'm getting choked up listening to you, you share that. I mean, that's just so awful. And I'm, I'm so sorry, you know, like that the church we grew up in, like we did this, you know, like I, I'm sitting there thinking back to, What's been challenging whenever you have really worked hard to get far is kind of what you're saying, forgetting where you were. And as I'm reading your book, I'm like, hell yeah, you know, like I'm woke now and all that stuff. And then I'm also reading the parts where I'm like, holy shit, like, I said those things. I remember being in church being like, oh, well, you know, you just got to pray enough and have enough faith and you can choose something different. And, and I remember like just the environment that I was in affirming that idea. But the fact that like I was saying it, it was it's just, it was such a heartbreaking thing to go back and remember where I used to be versus where I am now.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it. it is heartbreaking. And at the same time, I feel like we absolutely have to remember that as best we can so that we don't fall into the same traps, you know?
1: Yes. Like
2: yes. I, and that's why the 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 first chapter of my book, I was like, it needs to be about all the times I've gotten it wrong. Because if I'm going to write a book about like overcoming fear and moving into this life, like I need people to understand that I'm not saying that I have any in any way arrived or have never messed up or I'm my least favorite thing about every mega church pastor in the world. And you might think that that's hyperbole. I promise you it's not. Um, (laughs) my least favorite thing in the world is that every story that they tell on stage in which they are in, they are the hero.
1: Yes. Um, and it's actually, it's coached to do that. So I didn't, I didn't realize this. So I I used to do like... So I, I've grown up in the church, had lots of friends in the church, but could never actually like be on staff at one. However, when my wife and I moved up to New England, um, a few of my friends were church pastors. And so if they wanted a Sunday off, they would just kind of call me up and I'd go preach at different churches and stuff. And uh, I remember sending like my very first sermon to a friend of mine back in Texas who has a very large church. And in that sermon, I talk very openly about my own struggles, um, oddly enough, with sexuality and like with lust. And I use myself as an example of what getting it wrong also looks like and about like the struggle and trying to be real and down to earth. And he was like, you, you don't do that. Like, that's not how you do a sermon. You need to make sure that you're seen as somebody who knows what they're doing.
2: Yeah. And if you, if you are going to use yourself as an example in which like you didn't get it right, like still by the end of the story, somehow you did. Yes. Right. Like it's okay. It, like, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it's a, you know, our, our old, <laughs> my old boss, you know, he used to talk about his like quote, struggle with pornography all the time as this thing from his youth that he had conquered. So it like yeah. feels vulnerable, but like it's so far detached from like who he is today. So there's this like, Mm-hmm. I, I I literally despise it so much and, and, and because when we are not connected to the reality that we've been wrong then it will be really hard when confronted with new information to be in touch with the reality that we could still potentially be wrong like I I wrote in there in, in the book this like s- interaction I had with someone in high school that still haunts me
1: who yeah.
2: was gay and and I, you know, and I'm in high school. And so I would say, that's so gay. This is gay. This is, you know, um, as like a turn of phrase. And yeah, and yeah, he, that was the language you know, back in the day. Still totally. is in of he, ways. Yeah, exactly. And he confronted me on it. And um, and I was like, basically blew it off. Like he was like, hey, when you say something's gay and, and it's not good, that, you know, offends me as a person who's gay. And I was like, don't be so gay about it. Literally. Oh. um. And then the reality that, like, I mean, I joke about it, but so many of my friends who are like really trying to figure out their sexuality in, in, and by that I mean in terms of like sexual desire being an okay thing for a human being who's living and breathing, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. and <laughs> and me saying like, oh no, it's super easy not to do it, just pray, like, or me standing on a stage telling like, there's so many moments in where I'm like. I contributed 1000% to this problem. And if I can't realize that, if I can't stay in touch with that, then that will give me an arrogance to think that I'm I'm still maybe not part of some problem that I haven't even figured out yet, right?
1: Yeah, it almost flips the us and them mentality because now you're a part of the right us on this side and those them over there, uh, wonderful grammar I'm using, but (laughs) those people over there are now the enemy and you haven't really, you know, you haven't actually changed or grown. You've just, though you've changed positions, you still have the us versus them mentality.
2: Totally. And that's, and that's the bummer, right? Like it's, do I absolutely speak out against homophobic churches? Because like my friend Kevin always says, bad theology kills. Um, And it absolutely does. However, I also understand that doesn't mean I agree with or am like promoting, but I get it. I, I get how uh, like elusive and, and comforting that sense of certitude is. Like, I, I get that. Um, I know how painful this, I, this quote I share it all the time. It's my favorite quote from James Baldwin. And he says, "I imagine the reason people cling to hate so tightly is because they fear once the hate is gone, they'll be forced to deal with pain." Um, Oh man! Yeah, my man, James. That's awesome.
1: I would be snapping my fingers if it wasn't bad audio for the
2: right exactly. (laughs) But I think about that all the time, right? Like it's painful for me to think about the ways in which I, like, in which I perpetrated a theology that gay people like were going to go to hell and which I, I at one point was like, Oh yeah, maybe men just are better leaders. Like me, like I thought those things, those went through my brain as real beliefs. And if I, and when I had to turn the tide, when I had to realize that that was, that's, that's painful, right? Like it's painful to know like what teenage girls, when I was like a mentor, did I give them such a bad theology of themselves and their body? Like I yeah. did that. They're in therapy right now, undoing some shit that I did. And that's mm. hard to reconcile. And I think that discomfort is what keeps people from evolving. Cause yeah. it's even with, you know, right now in our country's experiencing racially, it's like, okay, well I want to be on the side, but like, then I have to deal with the fact that maybe I've said a lot of racist things. Like, Mm. if I I allow this thought to be true, then what does that mean for the jokes I've made? And the, oh, my God, I can't deal with that. Never mind. Right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think the realization, (laughs) I mean, when you get to that moment, um, it... For my personal life, it was that moment whenever I realized in the goats and the sheep parable that Jesus is saying, right, where the Uh goats did all these great things in the name of Jesus. And he's like, but you you never did those things for me. And they're like, when did we see you? And he's like, when you did these to the least, you know, whatever you did to the least of these, you did to me. Uh That moment in realization where you're like, yeah, 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 wait, I'm one of the goats? Uh Uh-oh. I thought I was on the right side the whole time. Right. And that's,
2: that's the beauty. I think, you know, this is a whole other, you know, probably many hour long conversation about the Bible, but (laughs) um, so much beauty in my life has come from rediscovering it in a new way. But the beauty of, of the use of parables is not so we can look and be like find the right answer and then whoever was the right person in there you be that right which is i feel like how we were taught like yeah okay there's this good samaritan so all right everybody go be a good samaritan all right bye um instead it's like how do you understand that in your life you will be both the goat and the sheep how do you or and at one point the least of like In your life, you will be the good Samaritan. You will be the person lying on the floor needing help. You will be a passerby. Like, you will embody all of the characters of this story. Like, that's the point of a good story, right? Is is you find yourselves in them and being able to tell when, all right, wait, am I just the walker by? Oh my gosh, am I the person laying on the ground right now? Wait, okay, no, am I being the good? All right, okay, here we go. Like, that is the beauty of those stories, um, which we lose when we kind of point it to, like, And that's why Be the Good Samaritan, it's like, no. Who are all the people in the stories? They all live inside of us.
1: Yeah. Well, and I love that. Um, I also am a big fan of, you know, you quoted Brene Brown a lot. I'm a big fan of her, but we're not here to talk about her. We're here to talk about you. But but she deserves to be talked about
2: whenever. She's so amazing. You know what's
1: frustrating (laughs) is that um, I went to U of H. My wife and I met at the University of Houston where she worked. I knew of her and never met her until after we moved and all of a sudden she like, I'm like, oh my God, I could have like gone and sat in her office. Like, oh, so like, dang it. Oh, my man. wife, I think even had classes in like where Brene Brown could have been her professor, but just by happenstance wasn't.
2: Oh my gosh. I know we really missed out. Ugh. <laughs> Maybe you should just hit her up and be like, hey, we were hey. almost friends, so we could
1: just... <laughs> we almost bumped into each other once. We could just... do,
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's not creepy at all.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure she doesn't get any messages like this.
1: Right. Um, so I, I love talking about all the stories <laughs> and about realizing that there's more parts of yourself than just good or bad in that everything is mixed. I want to talk about some of the tangible things that we can do to take steps in the right direction because what i found in my own personal life is that sometimes starting to move really is what led me to um, to healing and and to actually going on the new path so can we, let's talk a little bit about like leaving and deciding it's time to step away from the church
2: yeah so <clears throat> my my um dad always says he he does a lot of things one of which is he does a lot of like executive coaching now he has since um you know left promise keepers and the church world he's the best um
1: yeah i like your dad by the way the next time you guys talk (laughs) tell him some random dude named devin thinks he's amazing
2: i will absolutely tell him um but he always says uh in in terms of being a a supervisor or, or leading a team he always says the best time to fire someone is the first time you think about it um And he always says, like, you, you know, someone will sort of mess up at their job or do these things, and and the thought won't even cross your mind, like, oh, I need to fire them, right? So for that thought to even cross your mind, things need to have gotten to a a place where it's probably appropriate. Um, And I, I think about that sometimes because I talk to so many people who are, like, in the church, and they said, well, I've been thinking about leaving for a long time, but, like, and then lists some yeah. number of, of reasons. And I think, you know, sort of paraphrasing my dad, right? That the best time to to leave the church is the first time you think about it.
1: Um, Man, that's good stuff.
2: You can, you can, oh, my kids love the choir. Oh, I this, oh, I that. Man, like, if you let yourself linger, oh, you're just adding, adding unnecessary stress. And here's the thing. It doesn't have to be some big extreme. Like I, you know, I sat with a a friend one time, and she was like talking about her experience, and, and she struggled even to to muster and utter out the words. She was just like, I don't know if I could even call myself a Christian anymore. And I was like, then don't. <laughs> um, if that's the thing giving you a heartache, then don't. Oh
1: jeez, yeah. You, you know
2: what I mean? Like she was like. You know, I, I, the teachings of Jesus really resonate with me and I'm trying to dive more into to what that means and, and how to live my life. And, it, and I'm like, so do that. Like, I don't know yeah. what our, our obsession is with like, oh, can I still hold this title? Can I still be a part of this club? Can I still like, no, what? That's If that's what is the most important, then I mean, we need a whole new set of reevaluating.
1: Yeah, I, man, I mean, why didn't we have this talk like a year ago, Britt, you know, where were you when I <laughs> yeah, this? Yeah, come on. So my <laughs> wife and I spent a long time thinking about leaving the church. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, you're, I, I love what you're saying. It's super practical advice. And I, I, you know, having been somebody who took a long time to finally leave, and it wasn't just that we were leaving the church we were at, um, it was that we were leaving church. You know, Mm -hmm. and we specifically decided to leave because we kept the the thing that really pushed us over the edge is we have friends who are in the LGBTQ community Mm -hmm. and uh, we wouldn't invite them to the church we were going to. Mm -hmm. It was like a secret uh,
2: shame. Like
1: not even that. It's that like we we so we always were what's really hard is that we felt like we've always been deconstructing, but we just didn't have a good word for it until very recently. Yeah, But we were in the church trying to like change <clears throat> it. I remember mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I wasn't uh, welcome in certain leadership positions in the church I grew up in was because I wanted to have, you know, gay people at our church. <laughs> like mm-hmm. let's, let's invite them in like, Oh, but it's a sin. More reason to come in. <laughs> like right, You're yeah. not pushing me away from this idea. You're just embedding it deeper. And, um, and then up here, it was just one of those that like, I just don't trust you to be safe with my friend. I don't, I don't trust what you're going to do with my friend's heart when they come here, because this is a hard place. And this is a friend like the, the one that really stuck out in my mind. She grew up in the church. And we were the first people that she came out to as bi because she was so scared of just like saying it out loud because of the church that she grew up in. And she was like, and I don't know how to tell my family. And I was like, well, let's talk about that. Maybe we don't start with your, your family if you don't feel like they're safe people. Why don't we start with some other people and and work our way up to that so that way you have courage and because it's probably not going to go well. And I remember having these conversations and I'm just thinking like, I can't imagine how far backwards we would set her if we brought her here and and one of these people said the thing that I hear them say all the time.
2: Right. Right. And and that's where, you know, I don't I don't know how to like tell people like the stakes are high for all of our lives. Like we this is again more burnout Brene brown talk but like if you want to be in the arena like you're gonna take hits so if you want to live a life that stands for anything if you want to live a life that means something you want to live like four people you're gonna lose right you're gonna yeah you're gonna miss out this is um you know i think about uh, again another another piece of scripture that has been comforting to me as i have sort of reclaimed, rediscovered, right? After the deconstruction is the reconstruction and and, and that's an mm, important part yes. of this, this journey. Um, but if you want to, you know, if you want to lose your life, wait, if you want to, <laughs> you, if you lose your life, you'll find it. <laughs> if you try to keep your life, you'll lose it, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: and, and I remember I the way I used to think about that or was told to think about it was like, because your life's not yours, give it to God um, and then you'll have it. Which was always confusing, Um, but I think that it, in the reality of things, of like understanding that, like our like taking losses for ourselves for what we believe in for people, like that is where the living is. Like if you try to keep your life exactly as it is in the same way, you try to keep that certitude, you try to keep those rhythms, you try to keep that community, you try to keep that church, you try to keep like that's not life, Um, and so. You know, as I'm, I'm grateful for the gift of my own sexuality because it it forced that exit, right? Like, you, I need to marry this woman. I need to start a life. You know, I think when it's so good, less pressing, and you're a little more on the fence, right? You can you can sort of linger. But at the same way, it's like you, man, you got to take those losses. That's that's where it's at.
1: So. One of the things that I love in your book is I like the fact that you like emboldened certain lines. The problem mm-hmm. with that yeah. is I was like, oh, she should have emboldened this one or this one or that one. And then I realized like the whole book would have been bold and it would have uh, lost the effect. Yeah. <laughs> like, you have <laughs> oh, a lot of really you. beautiful um, and really poignantly said things. Like I, as I, uh, you know, I was an English major in college. So when somebody can just like say something really well, it, oh, it's just, it's the best. Um, oh, and you're good thank at it. You. Yeah. So one of the things that I love that you say a lot in the book, and I'm glad you say it a lot, is either choice is going to be hard. Staying Uh in the same place where you're not comfortable, where you're miserable, that's going to be hard. Getting out of your comfort zone and stepping into something new, that's going to be hard. They're both going to be hard do the one that will yield the best results do the one that leads to freedom do the one that will fulfill you and i love that you really put them on the same plane and say no matter what you choose it's going to be painful and it's going to be hard however one of these has a decidedly better outcome
2: absolutely and you know when i when i was like okay i'm going to write this book about overcoming fear doing all these things like what i don't want to say is hey if you do the thing you love like everything will be great like it's this has been you know there have been some brutal parts of this journey um and i would do it all again but i think what we fail to realize at a certain point is being human is the hardest job you will ever have all of us period (laughs) like it's just it's just hard like i don't know what to tell you um and so if you're gonna be in there doing hard work don't do the one that forces you to numb out and listen to someone else's voice as the authority on what you're doing. Like, get in there. Like, get in there and and become the person you want to be. Um, both both options, again, going to be hard. Um, but man is one better.
1: Get it, preach it. Anyway. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now look at your neighbor. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> you, so you're another compliment. And again, I'm not buttering you up. I promise if you knew me well enough, yeah. you'd be like, these are not false compliments because I don't give those. Oh, that's um, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But one of the things that I really love about the book is that it, it feels very conversational. Exactly what you're saying comes through really well. You're not patronizing your audience by saying, oh, just choose life. It's easier, it's better, like or or, or a lie of omission, right? By not telling you how hard it's going to be, you've basically set us up for failure saying, oh, it's better, it's not going to be difficult. But you really do a great job of talking about um, the fact that it is going to be hard. And I love that it felt like I was sitting down to coffee with a friend, a wise Mm -hmm. friend who's being real with me and saying, this is going to be painful, it's going to hurt, but it's gonna be better.
2: Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, that's that's how I hoped it would feel. And, and you know, that's the, the funny thing is, um, it, when I was gonna come out, and I write about this in the book, there was a list of things I was afraid of. Um, and every, truly, like without fail, every single thing I was afraid of happened. Um, Man. It wasn't like, oh, wow what was I even scared of? You know, <laughs> <'Cause> sometimes, <laughs> you know, sometimes that's true, right? You're like, yeah. Oh, I don't want to jump off the diving board. Like, you know, what if I die, you know? And then you do it and you're like, Oh, okay. That wasn't that bad. Um, no, yeah. yeah everything I was scared of happened. And that's the beauty of it is that I would still do it again. Um, yes. and so that's not to say like, cause I, I, I had that false association, you know, mostly from the church that, hey, if I'm doing the right thing, it will be easy. That's how I know it's right. Um,
1: yeah, because the Lord br- blesses you. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Um, and so just going in and, and, and feeling like I was getting beat up, but also feeling like, hey, at least I'm getting beat up as me. Like, you know, yes, like going, like doing, yes. doing this thing, like I believe in, um, I was down.
1: That's awesome. I love, I love. again, I can't say enough, I hope everyone reads it, you know, as a cis male dude, um, hetero, <laughs> your book was super helpful. And so I, I say that to hope that anyone, doesn't matter who you are, read the book, it's phenomenal. Um, but it's, I really, I felt really empowered and emboldened in a lot of the decisions that I made. And a lot of the decisions that I felt unconfident in before. Um, mm. And I think one of the things that you, and not to give too many spoilers, but one of the things that you really drive home well is that freedom and healing are best done when shared.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that has been so much of our life. And in, in, oh gosh, the ways in which, it, yeah. I mean it's it's really wild how you don't even know not who's watching your life and I don't mean that in a like so don't make any mistakes you know um yeah but just the, the reality of like man we were we were listening we were watching we were when you're in a place and you you desperately need a lifeline um you you'll find it wherever and so that's you know one of the reasons we say like we're super like just dumb in like lovey on social media um and part of it is just because whatever it's social media and we're millennials and we love each other
1: (laughs) yeah um because it's great and adorable yeah go for it
2: yeah but also we're (laughs) like man in 2014 what i wouldn't have given to see just two happy lesbians on social media, like, and that feels like such a little thing. But I mean, I was scouring like my worldview to be like, is this possible for me? Um, And so all of the little ways in which we find it, they don't even have to be like, I here's my manifesto. It's like if you, man, you living free, truly living free will inevitably enable the people around you to, to find their own freedom, as different as it might be, right? um yeah yeah
1: well and i think what you communicated really well is the fact that that it it doesn't have to be coming out of the closet as gay we all have something that shame has forced us to hide or to put down and so whatever it is and i i love that you kept it not just you didn't it wasn't like making it universal but just reminding that though our struggles are different the feelings Are very much the same and i don't necessarily know what it's like to feel the way that you do or to to experience what you've experienced but i know what it feels like to feel oppressed by a system that is designed to keep me in a very specific position whether i enjoy it or not and so i love that you did a great job of really making it accessible to a wide array of people because the suffering that we experience is much more universal than we realize it is in the moment
2: totally that's i mean that is the moment i decided to write the book because initially i was like this is such an isolated you know experience <laughs> like how many closeted megachurch pastors are there in the world probably more yeah,
0: than I you, think, but so much um, intersectionality yeah, for you i surprised. felt so bad yes. for
2: you i was like oh man what else
1: oh another <laughs> thing oh geez this poor i woman. <laughs> know
2: literally but i was like oh this is this is such a, a specific experience like this isn't a book you know like and, and and what was wild is that once i was able to get down to like what was the core thing driving the the difficulty it, it, in that experience and it was disappointing the expectations that other people had put on my life and then that felt like oh we all know that feeling yeah right like do i Did do it. what's what's true to me what i believe in or do i follow do i not disrupt sort of the comfort of the people around me. Like, oh, we, we get that. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I know that we're, you know, I want to respect time. And so I want to kind of get towards one last question. Okay. Um, But as you've deconstructed, was there a time whenever God seemed intangible, no longer there? And as you began reconstructing, Have you, has God changed? Have you re-encountered God? Um, Tell me about that.
2: Yeah. Um, Yes. (laughs) So when I I feel like initially started this deconstruction, one of the things that was so scary about it um, was the reality of how fragile God felt. And part of that was growing up, you know, in an environment where they, they made it seem like, Hey, you watch the wrong movie or like you, you go to the wrong haunted house. And like, you're going to find out that God isn't real. Or like, you know what I mean? Like you look behind the wrong curtain, you look under the wrong rock and, and everything will shatter. Like it just felt fragile. And so fragile that my attraction to another beautiful human being could shatter it. So it, I feel like I I tried in the very beginning to hold both, like hold God in the way that I had come to know God in in this sort of like fragility um, and also hold like my own evolution. And at some point, I had to let God go. and and when I mean that, I, I mean I had to let everything that I knew, about that guy, I'm not everything, but that that sense, um, and that felt incredibly painful because it wasn't like, oh, I need to let this go so it can become something else. I did not know what was going to happen, right? Um, and and as I let that go, what I didn't expect or didn't plan on or didn't account for was that what was then able to grow was this. Much bigger, much larger. Absolutely, like unbreakable image of God that I I could not have arrived at. Um,
1: yeah.
2: So when pe- people ask me now, like what what's my faith? What's my spiritual life? I just say it's just less fragile. Like you, wow. I I am now aware. Like I can't outpace God. I can't go anywhere God hasn't gone. I can't do anything um that is beyond god i can't go outside of the parameters of this thing like if if someone told me right now like hey i see god in this feather i'm like yeah girl like you know (laughs) sure like i see god in these rocks i see god every full moon i oh go get it like who am i to say that god only exists in this kind of building with this kind of music with this kind of people in this kind of book like no treaty, no doctrine, no religion, no theology can hold all of who God is, and and knowing that, I'm like, let's let's do this thing.
1: Yeah, that's so beautiful, and I I I'm, I really appreciate you know you sharing about like I had to let God go. Well, really, I had to let what I thought of God go. You know that. I I can very much connect with that. Mm -hmm. Um, I I actually have uh, tattooed backwards across my chest. God is bigger. I got Mm. it at a very, very dark time in my life. I think it was, uh, yeah, just super dark time. Um, This is your time to shine, not mine. But I realized that like, as I've gotten to the place where I'm at now, that for the first time ever, it's true. I genuinely Mm. believe because the, the God that we grew up with was so fragile so frail so
2: so fragile
1: and super bitchy
2: so petty like i'm like how could god be that petty
1: yeah how could you be big and be that petty how could you be a good father and be that petty how could you be like alpha and omega how could you be like anything and be that petty that frail and that easily pissed off
2: right it's like oh you kissed a girl Oh, you'll burn for eternity. You're like, wait, that can't that doesn't yeah. add up.
1: Yeah. What about, and this is what kills me is you know, when you look at Jesus talking himself, saying, like, you know, what what parent would give their child a fish who asked or give their child a serpent who asked for fish, uh, a stone who asked for bread, us heathens who are capable of evil things can give good gifts. How much better can God love us? And it just mm-hmm. felt like those words were never really very true. Whenever you had to do everything a certain way to make God happy, or else you were screwed.
2: And 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 the certain way, right, felt so arbitrary. Yeah. It like made sense for a while. But then yes. I was like, wait, you're telling me the creator <laughs> of the universe. We're talking like galaxies, planets, yes. different life forms is most concerned, primarily concerned with me not having sex. So I get married
1: and you kissing a girl
2: and yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, so like (laughs) I'm like, or listening to music with curse words in it. Like this can't be like, yeah. And, and, and being able to, you know, I, I see so many of my, my sweet friends and people I knew from this season of my life trying to, evolve to a new understanding of God while holding the old one. And I'm like, Oh, like you have to let it go. Like you have to let it go. If you ever want to find something new, like you're not going to rearrange enough theological furniture to like that. You can dance your way around the hard part of letting it go. And um, I love the way you said that's that. a, it's a necessary part of the, of the process.
1: Yeah. I feel like I'm at a, a at a church service right now. I want to just be like amen. <laughs> yeah, amen. Yeah. Preach sister, preach. And I'm like oh, like oh, I got man. my
2: pastor vibes on right now.
1: <laughs> you do. You really do. And I miss going to church in the south so much for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so I I, I mean I, I don't think we can really end it any better than that. I love your final comment about, you know, you've got to let go because you can't rearrange enough theological furniture to dance around what you're trying to. Man, that's good.
2: Man, that was good. Did I say that?
1: Yeah, that Man, was you. On. Let
2: me go back. Me yeah, yeah. We'll play it back. <laughs> yeah, I'll yeah, send you a yeah. copy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm going to stop the recording here, um, but I just wanted to say thank you so much for being on here. Uh, any final plugs, as shameless as you want to be, what do you want us to uh to learn about by all that good jazz?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh my you can get my book worth it. Uh I have a understanding racism 101 course available. Um you can follow me on Instagram and BritBaron.com. You can find all the things.
1: Yeah, and we will put all of that in the show notes. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming and I really appreciate it. I Hope we can do this again one day soon.
2: Yeah, thanks so much, Devin.
0: Thanks again to everyone for listening, and to Britt for agreeing to be on the podcast. Remember, you can find her work at BrittBaron.com, and I'll post that link in the description as well. And then patrons can look forward to getting their copy of Britt's book in the mail soon. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.